0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of All the Best Bits. This is Kevin, and um,
1: I'm joined, as usual, by Will Collins. Hello, Kevin, and hello, everyone out there listening to us. How are you getting on? (laughs) Yeah, Uh,
0: and for this episode, Will,
1: we are doing, well,
0: it's my pick from best monologues which was the uh, end speech that Rick Ahoa's Roy Batty does. And uh, consequently, that's given us a chance to talk about Blade Runner. But we're doing Blade Runner, the final cut, the one that came out in 2007. Yeah, And we're going to sync up the start of this recording uh, at 16 seconds in, which is when you see the lad company, the red typeface for the lad company, underneath the, the green tree. And um, we're gonna hit play. Then you don't need to watch the film. Uh, usually we just sort of go off on different tangents and we talk about whatever sort of comes into our head as we're watching it. And
1: we'll try. Um, and But des- if you
0: do want us, I think
1: we yeah. tr- we try and describe the film because I found we re- that so helpful when we actually do describe the film. And and I'm listening. I'm going. Oh yeah, now I know where they are. So um, yeah, we'll do it as we go. <laughs>
0: yeah. And um, so that's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna hit play. Are you ready, Will? I'm ready. Okay. In three, two one and play and one of us usually says it so I guess
1: it'll be me that says it and we're off and we're off and uh, <laughs> as usual like you know oh was, uh, run, run, uh, I, I always love the way that um, the tree kind of scanned in It uh, it's always it takes me right back see those two names that have just popped up there yep Jerry Jerry and Bud yeah they took over the film after Ridley Scott was fired oh yes 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 that i was listening to a documentary tell me more so they
0: were the guys who the studio put in charge of the production just as ridley scott rapped on the film they fired ridley scott and his producer Mm -hmm. they put those guys in charge and they were the ones who um, gave us this well the um the narration that was on the films for many many years Mm -hmm. uh, which harrison ford hated.
1: And uh, that narration has been loved by a lot of people
0: there's a lovely line in that narration though which is um oh god i'm going to paraphrase it and butcher it but it's something like um uh, oh god i can't even remember it's something like uh uh um she's she lives she's not going to live long but then again who does or something like that i've totally just butchered that but uh that's a line i think which is The actual line is good from.
1: There's, there's, yeah, there's a, like, you you know, I was listening to the documentary, uh, watching a documentary today about uh, the recording of a lot of that. And Harrison Ford, you know, was contractually obliged to do it. And he said in one of the records, I think one of the last records, he went into, I think it was in London, he was doing the record. And he went, he he walked into the studio where they're recording the, 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 the narration and there was no one there and he just went wandering around these offices looking for someone to tell him what to, to kind of like direct him as to what to do and he eventually found inside in the closet this old guy you know clacking away on a typewriter and he Harrison him just kind of introduced himself and the old guy just brushed him away and says go away go away go away you know five minutes and the old guy came in and he'd written like he'd actually written the narration this old guy and
0: yeah he was a writer for the, for the Bob Newhart show a sitcom writer
1: oh right <laughs> you can hear in the tracks because they found like some of the tracks of Harrison Ford trying to read this stuff, and he's literally laughing after he does the take. He's like, "Are you serious? This is just this is so weird. What the hell is this?" <laughs>
0: that line that I couldn't remember, I just looked it up. It says, uh, "It's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does?" Which I think is a is a good line.
1: Yeah, it's good. I love the. F- yeah, I, I I'm a bit of a font tour, and I love the font that they use in the titles and the opening credits what is it about screenwriters and our love of fonts no I just love it Los Angeles <laughs> 2019 so we are two years beyond this oh my god Yeah. And the. Do you
0: know it was originally going to be wow. 2020 but I didn't uh, really thought that was too
1: on the nose they were, they were going to make it a San, Fran, San Francisco Los Angeles hybrid that the entire west coast was just one big long city and um, isn't that what they do in Demolition Man oh
0: yeah 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 I think it's it's um oh god what's it called in uh, but it, it I think it is that where they um, they combine Los Angeles and San Francisco
1: they I, I want to draw attention to one of my San favorite Angeles shots. one of my favourite shots which is this opening shot of San Francisco with these uh this these oil refinery towers just just billowing flames and that is a miniature set and it's only about eight feet long and uh, I, I was watching it's amazing how they actually created that you know it's, it's the use of the, the skill and artistry of these production designers uh, is amazing because you I look at this still now and I go wow wow yeah it really is beautiful especially in blu-ray my god oh it's gorgeous it's that music as well though oh it's Evangelis's music is just amazing is it Vangelis or Vangelis I didn't, I never know I just I just <laughs> I just alternate every time I say it I just <laughs> so I will say like Vangelis like when
0: we say uh, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger
1: <laughs> what is it? I don't
0: It's so beautiful, though. It's yes, cool. I'm going to have to concentrate now because this will be one of these films where I just get completely lost in the images. Yeah. And I'll probably keep saying, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, everybody smokes again in the future.
1: Yeah, they just take, took it back up. Lung cancer. They solved lung cancer. So they just decided to... Um,
0: Maybe that's what it is. Yeah.
1: So now we have Leon is uh, is coming to be interviewed by a uh, a detective, a Blade Runner. And I learned that how these Blade Runner machines, so he, you know, this device comes up and he observes the eyeball. But what that machine is actually doing is actually smelling the air particles that the person's em- uh, emitting. And it's from the air particles of their breath that they actually can tell if you're a replicant or not. So there you go. Really? Mm, that's what they that's how they figured it out yeah that's what they. so they're like uh, sniffer dogs they're sniffing yeah they're actually sniffing that's what it is so that's why you see it kind of like you know it kind of like a, what's the word it's like a respirator it's kind of you can see it breathing in and out little machine you're in a desert a white camp machine yes you're in a desert, walking along sand. And for the, because we're watching the the, the, the the lovely looking final cut, they did a huge amount of work to make this final cut work, and uh, I watched a documentary about that, the restoration process, and it really was kind of mad, the, the lengths they went to to kind of make some of the shots work. I'll tell you about it. Didn't
0: they bring? Didn't they bring back Joanna Cassidy Mm -hmm. and they reshot her dead seat scene?
1: Yep. Twenty six years after she originally shot it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And there's another one that you don't know about that I'll point out that uh, will go completely unnoticed, but it's a really cool trivia point. Uh, I'll I'll flag it when we get to it. Cool about Harrison Ford. So I said to you
0: um, off mic that I, uh, I I was reading some trivia about mm-hmm. the film, but who was originally going to uh, play Deckard? Oh, yeah. And, uh,
1: yeah, they originally had cast Dustin Hoffman. Really? Mm. Okay. Like, in this type of film, I could imagine him doing it. Yeah, I
0: think he'd, he'd fit in that world. Yeah. But he dropped out, and Ridley Scott thinks it was so abrupt, the way he dropped out. Um, he thinks it might have, have had something to do with money.
1: We continue? Wow, but they workshopped the character and everything. Oh wow, that's so un- it's so unusual. And this was a torturous. This is one of those productions that really was stressed. It was a stressful production from minute one, and everyone, all the cast, said it in the interviews. They all said, "No, nope, it wasn't a happy set. <laughs> We're under pressure."
0: So yeah, there was. There was. Um, Major disagreements between Ridley and the American crew because this was his first time shooting a film in the States because Alien was obviously filmed in London.
1: Oh yeah, of course. course. They didn't
0: get on. He said he'd done an interview, which said um, he likes English crews because you ask them to do something and their response is yes, governor. And so the uh, the American crews read that, and then they all um, turn up to work. Alarum did, wearing a t-shirt that said Yes Governor, my ass <laughs>
1: Good man So <laughs> we've now we've our first shot of um, Deckard Harrison Ford's character and in the rain, and it's so this is an amazing set, and it's all shot in the back lot of Warner Bros, like that kind of old uh, I've New walked York around set. that set as well I was trying to think if I've walked around that and I've definitely walked around Universal and Paramount, they all have their own little old backlots, and they're they are true meccas they really are amazing places to to go to because you they're familiar wasn't that the case did you have that experience when you walked and you went this is this is a familiar place i know this place because you've seen it in so many yeah. films
0: for me it was just like oh this is just uh it's like um dick tracy or seinfeld it just looked so um familiar i never forget walking around uh, the universal one actually and uh, being amazed at how small everything was I do. Habit, uh, uh, where, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Murder She Wrote used to film. It was it Cobbett's Cove or Habits Cove or something like that? Right. And uh, I saw an episode after being there and I thought, oh my god, that's the, uh, the Jaws Lake.
1: Wow. Wow. I walked I had an amazing experience on the Universal lot where I kind of when I was doing those general meetings I think it was the last time I was out there I would kind of make a point of going to a location like an hour beforehand and just walking around the area to get a feel for it just as a kind of from a touristy point of view and I had a a meeting on the Universal lot and um I got dropped off at like a a back gate a back entrance my Uber dropped me off and I and they had said oh just call us the production company said just call us and we'll get a car to pick you up and I was like nah I'll just walk it in so I like I was like the only person (laughs) who walked in through gates and it was along it was the back entrance Universal so it was along that like canal you know the kind of the the canal you see in Terminator 2 you know where it's dried out um, and whatnot Um, so I kind of walked in like this dark dark road the LA River yeah, it was like a LA River. I don't know, if, but it was like that. You know, we it's, it's an artificial river, but it was dried out. And yeah. Whatnot. But uh, so I walked along this dirt road uh, uh, parallel to this uh, this river, and just kind of made my own way onto the lot from the rear end. Right. So I mm-hmm. kind of saw kind of some structures ahead of me, and I saw a, a TV show being shot on this like on the, uh, 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 to my left. But as I walked in uh, into through the buildings, I, all of a sudden realized I was in the middle of a town square. And I was it was completely deserted. And I was all on my own. And I was standing around. It was like fully a fully like realised town square. And it was immediately familiar to me. And I was like going, holy shit, where am I? And I realised, I'm in Hill Valley. And it's where they shot, like, Back to the Future. But like everything else. But I just had oh, that yeah, moment yeah. of, wow. I'm in yeah. Hill Valley. And I just sat there. And I did, i was an hour on my own, just wandering around the sets Jesus, on my own. I didn't... amazing. I, I would have loved to have found that. I remember walking...
0: Um walking uh, around there and they were filming a reality TV show and I was like oh it's not really very interesting yeah <laughs> didn't even recognize anyone but, but it's yeah, such they a had ad, busloads ex- of um extras to be audience members
1: uh, now we have the the deckard is going to his lieutenant and I'm pretty sure this is stuff they shot in union square so this is a very much an LA film isn't it in, in um, so he's he's been summoned to his sergeant's uh, sergeant's quarters yeah his office To kind of give him the, the mission To Track down These replicants That are Skin jobs Yeah Which I just referenced
0: Made up for the movie Same with replicants Replicants ah. weren't from In the book either Oh it really was, um, It w- It was It was David Webb Peoples' daughter Who's a microbiologist She was the one that Coined the term replicants
1: I didn't notice
0: Yeah Wow Because they didn't want to use I think in the book They're called Andes As a, as a shorthand Okay and they didn't want to use no ever gonna droids or or andys uh, because of Star Wars. Yeah. So they wanted a new term, and David Webb Peoples came on as the second screenwriter to mm-hmm. rewrite Hampton Fancher. Yeah. And, free, though, okay. and consequently, uh, please, nice. David or Philip K. What Dick. Um, yeah. Who really didn't like Hampton Fancher's draft, but loved what David Webb Peoples brought to it. Mm-hmm. Ride ride. Uh, and yeah, it was David Webb Peoples' daughter who. Uh, said, well, if they're replicating uh, human biology, why not replicants? And wow.
1: Yep. I listened to an interview with the two of them, actually. Hampton, Hampton, oh God, say it for me. Hampton Frank, Ham, say his name for me, please. Hampton Fancher. Say it. Um, so he, as you said. I think they're good mates though, aren't they? Oh, they're, yeah. The two of them became great mates. Um, but when he was trying to convince um, no joy, Philip K. Um, Dick to allow him to adapt the the film, he went up to Dick's place, and he said he was just an arrogant asshole, and he was very he's he had a massive ego. But he said he you because know on he, reflection. He,
0: he was such a he, he was such a a popular writer, but he was pretty much penniless. He was ba- making barely anything from his books,
1: and Hollywood was just uh, uh, and he was he was like from he was writing on amphetamines for a number of number of years and his brain was kind of screwed up from it um <laughs> but I' yeah he he Hampton franchise said like he just tormented him that that however long he was with him and as he was leaving he said he said I was just really frank with him and normally I wouldn't be frank he said I'm coming up here not as uh, like you know a cigar chomping executives trying to exploit your you know your material in a convertible I'm I really, really truly want to, you know, do you work justice and to be frank, I think you don't like me and I'm never coming back here. And and the taxi was pulling up and um Philip Gay Dick was at that moment just went, No, you don't understand. I really like you. I really like you. And the oh, random said it's too late and he got in the car and he just left. Um but he said he was Fair enough. Yeah, he was such an awkward an awkward man to work with. Um but yeah, he was a the weird this. thing
0: about making films and, and, you know, working in development. it A lot of people are brought together to make something. Um, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and everyone has got their weirdness about them. That Sometimes it can go in the favour of the film, as in this case, and other times it can just destroy a film. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just... They did Well, when this film was made, obviously, they didn't feel like they looked out because the film was a flop. And it didn't kind of, yeah, it didn't, even the, the Ridley Scott's version didn't come out until the 90s, or not even his first kind of version of it didn't come out until the late 90s. See, this is the thing we, uh, well, I came to this quite late.
0: And by that stage, the film was regarded as a, a sci-fi classic. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine for those guys, that's a long Decade of the eighties, where you've made a film that you think has missed the mark, and for Harrison Ford, it's got that awful narration which you hated. You don't like thinking about the misfires, and um, I suppose it must be hard to sort of reevaluate something you did so long ago, which is now a great movie, but for decade, for a good decade after you did it, was a horrible experience, a flop, and not a very good film.
1: Yeah. Oh Harrison Ford didn't do interviews on the film for two decades. He really found the the whole process painful and he just couldn't stand the narration. Um, but but then everyone has a different it's funny when you listen to the documentaries and stuff like that. Everyone's got a different tale. Everyone's got a different take on uh, on how people react to truthful life. Yeah, there you go, man. It's just everyone had their own um kind of their own story and Well he said that to me. Well no, he said the opposite to me. So, uh, yeah. Again, Jesus. the model work, the world building in this is amazing. Now, all that's really happened is decker has been given the task of going off to hunt down these um, these replicants. And where he's just, he's just been carted off back to his, I'm sure this is him. Where's he going? He's going back to his apartment. But it's just. I
0: leaving. think he's going to, uh, I think he's actually going to the Tyrell
1: Corporation. Oh, of course. That's where it is. Yeah, that's where this is. When did you first see this film? I know exactly the night I first watched this it was uh, in the mid 90s and um, after in the mid 90s this guy I think it was Brian ridden was his name he had like a oh I know him well yeah, yeah nice. Brian he had a kind of a cult movie club show on after late late on RT1 and um, this was like on a Friday night at half 11 or midnight. And so he would run classic movies, but he would do an introduction to these films. And and I actually saw an awful lot of my my film education came from that. that would this that have run. been
0: like um, an Irish version of Videodrome?
1: It was exactly that. Vi- yeah. Was it Videodrome? What was the name yeah, of the film? Yeah, yeah, Videodrome. The, uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Cousins did Cousins. Yeah, yeah, Cousins. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Oh wow! I didn't know that that show existed. I, I missed it I would have fucking eaten that up.
1: Yeah, he would. Do, he did seasons. He basically that's He did all, loads of Hitchcock. He did loads of Woody Allen. He did loads of um obviously this, and he would just have really. uh He just, it was a good kind of like it was a good film school show. He went like did like Put that on the RTE player. Yeah, and no, I no one obviously hasn't stayed in the lexicon. I would love. It was a really and truly a a, a a great a great place for me to. No experience great cinema so what did you think when you first saw did you confusing um, I was I was I was I was confused by it but I was I was drawn into the aesthetic and the mood um, I was a little bit underwhelmed by thing. its slowness um, because it was probably my first noir story as well and I wasn't used to noir stories um, but I felt compelled by it where I kind of wanted to watch it again and again how about you I think I saw this in college, actually.
0: I, I think I was very late to this. So I think I saw this around 1999 or 2000. And, um, and it, it was put on again as uh, an example of a great moment. I cannot even remember what the moment was. And I thought, oh, I've got to check this out. I've got to actually see this. Um, because it hadn't permeated my sphere of reference Beyond it being a film that Ridley Scott had made, which, uh, was, um, regarded as a classic, but there were so many different cuts of it. Uh, mm-hmm. that was, I think, the extent of what I knew about it. And then I watched it and I just got enchanted by it. It was just such a really, um, uh, beautiful film to watch. And I never felt it being too slow. I just thought it was really, uh, captivating and and fascinating. But then, you know, I was looking at it from the perspective of Decker being a human being, a very cold man who, uh, learns more about himself through androids than, um, he would have done prior to taking on this job. Mm-hmm. And I know other people have a very different take on it. But, but you saw,
1: tell me your, your kind of like take. You prefer the, the the narrative arc of his character in the original version pre them kind of like implying that he's a replicant and you... So I'm, you, I'm with Philip K. Like, Dick and Harrison like Ford which is that
0: Deckard is a human being. He's a cold man who's sort of living in a dystopian future. Everything, he's gotten cynical, he's, he's hard-nosed and uh, he's he doesn't treat, he doesn't consider these replicants to be human beings or to to have a soul or to have to to have anything more than like a toaster would have Mm -hmm. Uh, they're functional they're there they're there to trick people and he's not one to be tricked Uh, and through his you know uh, experiences through the story and his experiences even with Roy Batty who's the villain of the story but comes to even save his life at the end it totally changes his view on the world Mm-hmm. On who's responsible for the, the, the torturous life that these replicants have. And, um, his own sort of like, um, position on replicants. So I just think it's, it's a more interesting story of somebody who's lost their faith in humanity, regaining it through something which is considered not to be human.
1: Yeah. Versus what the, what the director's quote implies, which is. Which is that
0: this is a story about a robot who's chasing robots, falls in love with a robot or an android, I know they're they're different, but you know, yeah. shorthand, and um decides to elope with a robot, it's like, oh, okay, and at the end another robot saves him, so it's like, uh, what are we watching here, that just feels like we're watching something really empty and soulless.
1: And I feel the whole, I do feel the whole Deckard's a replicant thing has been, just been retconned and Ridley Scott just went with it because he went, oh yeah, people, audiences are responding to that because he, all he did in the director's cut was he inserted that shot of a, um, of the, the unicorn and then that tied in with the last shot of the unicorn before he gets on the thing and everyone just went wild. You see, all the little things
0: that sort of imply that he is a replicant. I think are uh, there to bridge the fact that there is very little difference between a human being and a replicant and that persuasion is playing a factor in this. So replicants dream of unicorns and he's dreaming of unicorns. What's the difference between him and a replicant? Very little. Rather than this being cold hard facts to say, ah, he's also a replicant. I just think it's it. there's less of, there's less humanity, there's less empathy in the story and i know that I mean, some people argue that blade runner is an art film and there are no character arcs and there are there's nothing beyond form and the aesthetic and uh, it is exactly what it is which is a cold cynical film but um i don't i don't like to read the film that way mm-hmm. so i'm with harrison ford and with Philip Kiddick.
1: yeah i kind of think you're making a compelling argument there i think you know, replic- um, this whole thing about ford being a decker being a replicant is it's just something that's it was just thought up of, and uh, it's just been pushed in through the through the different variations and the different edits, just to kind of satisfy. It's the original fan, uh, what's the, the original Twitter kind of like uh, push. I think you know that influence. I do uh, think
0: that there's something to that. I think that this became one of the most um, sellable aspects of the film: is is Deckard a replicant or not? Yeah. So people yeah. Will watch the film to basically treat it like an investigation and, and parse out what they can and go like, oh, i I'm, I'm coming down on this or that. But uh I don't think that the film truly supports that.
1: Uh I'm like I'm liking that. I'm gonna give people a kind of a catch up what, what's happened in the story. So uh Decker's gone to he's gone to Tyrell's corporation and uh he's interviewed Sean Young's character and it turns out that she's it, a replica she's a replicant. She's one
0: of the latest uh Nexus models. So, yeah. um, she's unaware that she is a replicant.
1: Yeah. And now Deckard is gone, uh, with his partner. Gaff. And they've gone to the, the kind of the dingy apartments where the, where one of the, where maybe these replicants have been hiding out and he's found this, uh, what looks like a scale in a bathtub.
0: Snake scale. Um, do you think that this film. And, w- um. W- yeah. Coined the whole, uh, enhance thing, which you see in a lot of, uh, became a a, a sort of a trope in detective TV shows where it's like zoom in, enhance.
1: I I feel it it did because it's the first time I I, I, I encountered it. I always thought it was so cool. But then when you try and do it in real life, Siri, Siri, or I I shouldn't say it now, enhance Siri and it's just like oh jeez, I'll just do it myself you know
0: what you've just done right now is you've just triggered everyone's Siri that is uh, a sup- speaker
1: Siri subscribe to the best bits podcast on Spotify
0: <laughs> Alexa subscribe to the best bits podcast on Amazon Music oh god but, uh, Alexa donate to the best bits podcast
1: <laughs> you know um, recurring. it's so cool <laughs> We see our first kind of image of Roy Batty when he's like this. he's now um at a, a And he was blind cast
0: as well. He didn't even have to do um a meeting. No. Nope. They just sent an, a straight offer to him.
1: <laughs> I love when you said a blind cast. I would love if there was a whole casting session where the direct, where the director and the casting director were all just wearing blindfolds and it just went, Okay. So it'd be like in. the voice <laughs> just the voice alone. <laughs> How would you judge? Do you stand up and you start feeling them? That's gonna get, <laughs> that's gonna oh, get yeah, you on the feel them. Oh yeah. That me too'd. <laughs> oh yeah. But but that's I'd imagine Harvey Weinstein would have been all over that but, but films are fun. Um But do you did you know how where the original idea for the story of uh Duandroid's dream of electric sheep came from? How Philip K. Dick was inspired. Amphetamines? No, well, no, they 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 assisted in the development of that this is a great shot when the bicycles you know run through that cycle through that uh, those pillars apparently see if this he, was yeah.
0: accurate to the future all those guys would be on those um segways and scooters
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so true no philip k dick apparently came across uh some diaries of a concentration camp um worker soldier and he wrote in his diary that he a prison some- guard Basically, um, that he couldn't sleep because he could hear the cries of children. Um, he could hear the crying of children in the, in the gas chambers and it was just keeping him up. And Philip oh e. Dick just thought, God. Jesus how Christ. can you write in, in uh, annoyed? He was basically being annoyed by the crying of children as they were being put to death. And he just went, what sort of human could do that? No human could do that. So they would, you, you could only be an artificial human being, uh, to do such a thing. And that was what inspired the,
0: I remember watching a documentary um, about the, uh, the twins and the, the survivors of Mengele, where he would do experiments on twins and things like that. And um, this little girl was kept in the ward that was near his office. And they lived in absolute terror of him. He was just a, such a evil, bad vibe. And she was able to play the violin... Right. And he knew that. And he would summon her into his office to play the violin. And she would be petrified and she'd play it while he would continue to do his reports and stuff. And then he would go like, that's enough. And the, the, the uh, person that was questioning her, um, for this documentary said, did he ever say thank you or anything like that? And, uh, this little old Jewish lady said, Oh, child, you don't realize you don't say thank you to a record player. When you press stop, we weren't human. We, we had, wow. there was nothing about us that was human where our feelings were considered. So, wow. and it's like, oh my God, yeah, of
1: course. Roy Batty is, is now, <laughs> they were awful. They were unbelievable. Um, and poor Roy, ba- Roy Batty and um, Leon are now interrogating the eye maker and um,
0: very famous um uh, asian american actor who just got his star on the walk of fame
1: oh wonderful oh wow is, he's still alive so he is and i have to look up his name to get it right wow that's impressive he outlived rooker howard um but was it brian james uh oh wow that's impressive wasn't he yeah. the same guy in big trouble little china he was he's, he's a, been in, he's been Lo in Chan. about
0: 200 films
1: yeah he's brilliant he, he, he
0: knows james hong
1: that's the guy yeah that's yeah
0: there the was guy. a petition to get him a star on the walk of fame by uh the uh, i think it was daniel uh, kim the actor from lost um, all right jesus thank god for imdb
1: You've learned how to navigate the new IMDb so
0: Daniel Day Kim No I haven't really I hate it oh. Absolutely hate it Amazon you, you Alexa Cancel updates <laughs> on Box Office Mojo and IMDb Revert back to normal All right. um, Yeah so he's done about 200 movies And they they put out a petition Because it cost about 40 grand to get a star in a walk of Fame. And they got him Jesus. one Jesus Wow So fair play to him Good luck to him
1: it's really creepy what they're doing. The two guys here intimidating him. They're just putting little eyeballs on his shoulder as as they're trying to extract information of like where What what are they looking for? That's the thing. I haven't actually been following the they been want been following the plot.
0: He wants to meet his maker. He wants to to meet Tyrell. Oh yeah, okay. Okay.
1: And JF Sebastian. That's the movies. Yeah. This is a very famous tunnel in Los Angeles. And as I was saying, this is a very Los Angeles film. You could just go to... There was a cool documentary. Uh, I wonder if you ever saw it. Um, it's either Los Angeles plays itself or LA plays itself. And it's basically a documentary about all the different locations that have been used in films in, in Los Angeles. And it's it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Mm. And obviously this was a big... This film was a huge touchstone for him, Because there's so many iconic locations used. Number,
0: they did 50 straight nights shooting with rain
1: machines. Oh my god. Oh my god. That was where oh you god. down. done. And wasn't it on the set of this that, because I'm just pulling from something you said to me, that uh, Robocop was born? Am <laughs> saying that? Yeah,
0: one of the executives, one of the junior executives of, um, of Blade Runner had, mm-hmm. uh, he wanted to do another um, Android movie. And he had this idea and he was, you know, percolating it. And, uh, he met with, um, IMDb. Uh, so Edward Newmeyer, Neumeyer, yeah. He met with uh, a writer named Michael Miner who wanted to do a Super Cop movie. And, uh, they combined it, the Supercop with his Android idea. And mm-hmm. it, what came about was Robocop. So, yeah but it was on Thank the God set God. of this as a junior exec
1: that is amazing you know one thing i always that has always stood out to me from the very first time i watched this film is harrison's harrison ford's haircut uh as a kid i i didn't like it because it there wasn't enough mullet i thought mullets were so 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 cool <laughs> jesus
0: um, but i think it's now, cool haircut
1: I think it's a cool haircut. I'm actually going, wow, that's one of those timeless haircuts. That's a really, really good. It was so against, because normally when you see like sci-fi films from an era, everyone's sporting a kind of a contemporary cut. And that really irritates me when you see contemporary hairstyles. It's so strange that you
0: can tell the decade that a film was made, even if it's set in another era. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like and it, this film defies that. This film you can't pin down what decade it was made in. If you look at the aesthetic of, like, you know, their their fashion sense, because it's could be from the they're inspired by. You know, I
0: think uh, Sean things. Young's uh, makeup is very '80s. You remember?
1: You reckon? Yeah. I was just kind of looking at her hairstyle and kind of it's it's. Oh, the hairstyle is like noir Star 40s, Trek. 50s. And I was going 40 '50s noir. <laughs> That's right, it was going the opposite direction
0: um, She could have been Catwoman, you know Mm-hmm
1: Didn't she stalk Tim Burton or something like that? Allegedly Allegedly, sorry, Sean, Young. allegedly <laughs> Implants
0: Show us <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get to same nipples in this uh, commentary. So,
1: <laughs> well, we look closely enough, we'll see something. <laughs> <laughs> actually,
0: actually, when Zora turns up, Joanna Cassidy, I think we will. Oh,
1: we will. Yeah, we will.
0: Oh, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> no, really? I'm
1: sorry.
0: Uh, Go home. <laughs> I even just love yeah. the production design, like the the, the yeah, walls nice with this sort of Egyptian, and I think this was an actual house.
1: Yeah, it's a very famous house, um, um, by by a very oh, what's his name again? That's not an IMDb, but a very famous house. The exterior was used, and they probably used that to inspire the interior. It's kind of like that Egyptian aesthetic. Ah, uh, his name escapes me right now. But yeah, there's a Bradbury building that's used, which is a very iconic building. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright. There you well done, Kevin. Did you was that? Pulling from your own brain.
0: Yeah, that was totally from my own
1: Oh you lying Siri. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a silent podbot running in the background there, do you? Podbot,
0: was I right? <laughs> uh podbot's uh, she's on holiday at the moment. <laughs> um yeah, Frank Lloyd oh, White.
1: Well done. It's just shot so well.
0: In Los Feliz.
1: Uh they when they get to when they eventually get to the Bradbury building. Um, Ridley Scott was going to use as a location, and the cinematographer said, "Jesus, like you can't use the Bradbury Building. It's been used in every single TV show. Like it's, it was a very tired location to have to be using." And And he probably said, "Not the way I'm gonna fucking shoot it, mate." That's exactly what he said (laughs) No, no word of a lie. He says, "Not the way you haven't, not the way I'm gonna shoot it." And he was so right. So what's this? Uh, He's picked up a photograph off the ground, and that is a very obvious.
0: Like Polaroid uh type photograph. Mm. Oh look, glasses. she kinda
1: moved. She kinda moved in. That's obviously a final cut edition that there was a kind of a, a 3D effect when they actually when we were looking at the photograph, and I'd never noticed that before. Really? I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of real they did a lot of like the the, the whole Let me process just of turn my phone to landscape. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Kevin. <laughs> you promised me you would just start a landscape for now. <laughs>
0: When I land on a joke, it. I just beat it to death.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the whole process, like apparently the the like it was truly a kind of it was the only reason we have these final cuts. It's amazing. He walks up to his balcony and he's looking over the side and we just see Los Angeles. Again, great miniature and map Matt paintings. paintings and stuff. Mm. Yeah, map painting. And apparently all the unused stuff was labeled to go to junk like it was all wrapped up on in a Warner Brothers warehouse and it was sitting on two pallets and it was just like, you know, to go to junk, but they had never gotten the official word to send it to the junk pile. So, and that was, I think it was recovered in either 1988 or 1989 and they were able to reconfigure the, the work print which wasn't his director's cut but like a work print of the, of the film from that wow. but it was still very rough Yeah, it was literally just by pure chance it, didn't get, it just didn't get scrapped we've uh, just had our introduction of Daryl Hannah as well and Debbie yeah. Harry
0: was offered this part And uh, oh I could see her doing that she turned it down and she said it's one of the greatest regrets of a film career
1: Oh, wow. Was, was turning down the role of Pris. Wow. She's literally... Now she's going to the Bradbury building. And... Um, it's still actually... Even for this, it's got the, the sign on the Bradbury. Uh, across from the Million Dollar Theatre.
0: But I honestly... I, I don't remember seeing this in any TV shows.
1: Because it wasn't shot by Ridley Scott. <laughs> but I'm sure this is My like... fucking hell, man. You. It was used in... I think I remember seeing it in like it's a Dublin Indemnity or one of those kind of classic noirs and I remember I oh, you know, when I saw wait, that's it probably oh, favorite that's probably my favourite noir actually yeah that's the Bradbury building and you'll notice you, you once you see the kind of the, the railing the elevators and the staircases and stuff like that it's very it stands out do you know what the original title for this film is going to be what uh, well they had a few of them Dangerous
0: Days Dangerous one. Days ah there we go yeah but the, the one that I thought, oh, that's a nice title, actually, because they they bought this title of Blade Runner. It's from a okay. William S. Burroughs f- movie. Um, oh, OK. So they had to license it because it doesn't feature in the, the book. There's no Blade Runner mentioned wow. in the original book. But one of the titles that I don't know what it was, Fancho or it was David where Peoples, but it was going to yeah. be called Mechanismo. Wow. Sort, of, sort of like machismo, but Mechanismo.
1: Um, and I thought I,
0: oh that's a I, nice I, one
1: no I, I no I would prefer Blade Runner still for me doesn't mean anything though it doesn't mean anything yeah <laughs> it doesn't mean anything <laughs> <laughs> there's J.F. Uh, Sebastian has showed up does he have is it progeria is the
0: disease which makes you age faster so he is the human equivalent to a replicant in that oh nice. he's going to die prematurely that's right. That's right. She's so beautiful in this.
1: Mm. So is he.
0: <laughs> Inside and out.
1: But there's a lovely what I love what I do enjoy about his character is that in all this gruff kind of world, he he's, he there's a, an, an innocence, you know, there's a gentleness to him and he but when she he he walks in the door and she looks at him and there's this there's you just feel I feel worried for him for J.F. Sebastian mm. and you go hey, that's so cool this is the inside of the Bradbury building we're seeing the one of the, those blimps with the lights uh, overhead and it's fantastic yeah I used to the character I worried about the most in this film was J.F. Sebastian that's a fact you can take that to the bank I um what a one-two punch
0: Alien and Blade Runner
1: Truly, yeah. What did he do? Like you know, so he's had some career, really. Scott, he really. He's still has. going. I was just listening he's to a what? podcast today with Matt Damon, and
0: right. he's he was talking about uh, doing the last duel with Ridley Scott, which they shot in Ireland and France. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, if you remember, during the pandemic, Matt Damon was in Ireland. He was in Dalkey. Yeah, that's right.
1: Famously with his uh, plastic shopping bags and uh, going swimming and stuff like that. Yeah. He
0: fit right in, actually. Um, yeah. And he was saying that Ridley shoots with four cameras.
1: Well, that's economy for you. It is. Uh, and he's such a visualist. He's such an amazing... When he's got that's what tenorators. surprised me
0: about that is that he is such a visualist. So to, for him to be yeah. shooting with four cameras going at once... Jesus uh, Christ. I, I can't remember which director said it. And there we go. Now we're seeing these little toy um, replicants. Yeah. Would you call these replicants? I don't know what the f-
1: they're, I these are androids. Think they're replicants. I suppose. They're, they're yeah, they're not replicants. They're literally. I think they're like a step below replicants because they're they're just they're just they're like auto toys or
0: yeah, they're like Teddy from AI. But um, yeah, there was some director said uh, or, or some DP said to a director, on what camera are you going to be looking at?" So that's the one that we should light for, because his films are so wow. particular and so st- wow beautifully lit being able to know, do that with four cameras going that's amazing
1: if you look at his cinematography sorry his filmography his first feature was Duelists in 1977 which is still a really it's still a cool one to, to, to watch. I have never seen that ago. it's worth watching it's it's Harvey Harvey, Harvey Keitel in a what was it 17th 18th century 18th century dueling film which is it's 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 worth watching it's definitely worth watching but then, as you said Alien Blade Runner but then Blade Runner was such a kind of a disappointment here's I think we're going to have Harrison Ford's dream now it's just coming up he's just dozing off at the piano and are we going to get it we yeah we are yeah. there we go yeah. some people say that he just stole this footage of the unicorn from Legend and he didn't it was specifically Legend
0: has it it comes from Legend but they're wrong <laughs>
1: But that was his next film, Legend. And that was, it took him three years to get that made. And I don't think Legend was too much of a, uh, a success for him. So his 80s were. Tom Cruise had his old teeth in that film. Gee, did he? Wow, <laughs> he 85. Did. Took him that. To, he got kicked by a horse on that one. <laughs> a reason to get him, get him straight. But it really wasn't. I don't know if um, someone to watch over me, I've never seen that film. That's when he directed as well. I've never seen it. Black Rain in eighty nine. That's that's Zeman a fun movies. pulpy movie. I've never seen Black Rain. Hmm,
0: that's uh, worth watching. Yeah. Then again, I, I'm of the belief that almost every film is worth watching.
1: Yeah, give it a go. Including my we go my short
0: this. films, they're worth watching. <laughs>
1: enhance, <laughs> enhance, tiny CRT monitor. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: expanding and act- you know 250
1: pixels you know what really got me into the into the blade runner universe and this is a fact is there a video game came out in the late 90s and it was a basically a sequel to this and it it was a, one of those kind of point and click adventure things what i will say it captured the atmosphere of blade runner so well and you actually did this stuff where you had to like you know do puzzle solving and go into the Photographs to find clues and stuff like that. I hate that video games like that. Oh, oh, this was. Oh, I'm, I was so into the adventure. I think it suited. It, it was a noir. It was a proper noir video game, and um, it really got me into the mood and the aesthetic of this of this universe. And um, can't remember what it was called. Blade Runner, the video game. <laughs> that was it. But, um, on the SNES. It was on PC. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> some of your listeners, some of our listeners, will know exactly what I'm talking about. It was enhanced
0: so it was 34 to 36 so this is for some people all the detective work that uh Deckard does in the
1: movie <laughs> looking at photographs but wouldn't you love if you if, if you could do that technology where you could just kind of like you know really go into a photograph and pick out all the little, little tiny details even go around corners
0: it's coming virtual reality and augmented reality yeah I suppose so Oculus Rift and stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: And Avatar. I went to see Avatar, and uh, it was 3D, and everything is floating around me, all these little jellyfish. <laughs> you sure you just didn't? What I mean, I was on mushrooms at the time, but you know.
1: Enhanced 15 to 23. And there we have Joanna Cassidy. It was a, is it Joanna Cass- it must be it's Joanna Cassidy oh well she doesn't look like herself that's the only thing so what they did so not right now but yeah to 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 redo her scenes because there's a shot where her character runs through these several sheets of glass um, as she's been shot she actually came back 26 years later and matched the movements so that they could map her head onto the the stunt doubles head
0: onto the stunt man yeah because it was a man wasn't it it was a stunt man originally
1: in the documentary they said it was a stunt lady that was one person saying a stunt lady Oh. so I'm not certain
0: it wasn't like I'm gonna get you sucker where they cut to a a very obvious the the black uh, mother character in one shot cuts to a white guy with a (laughs) moustache as he's like performing all the stunts deliberately because uh. it's a spoof film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do love watching films now in kind of the HD age, those 80s movies where you know that when they were shooting it, they had no idea that we would have higher resolution one day. And now when you watch somebody's stunts, you go, oh my God, it, instead of a little girl, it's a 60 or a 45 year old man <laughs> smoking cigars.
0: The one thing that they do in this film, which I think is a great idea, or, or in the future, which I think is a great idea, is they have... Um, the handles, the 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 uh, spoke. What would you call it? The, the main part of an umbrella that you're holding. Oh, onto.
1: like there's the the shaft.
0: Yeah, umbrella. the shaft of the umbrella is lit up. It's uh, like it's is. fluorescent. It's so
1: cool. It is so cool. I yeah. love it. Invent that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they're out there.
0: I don't have one. <laughs>
1: I want one. Well, I, well, I know exactly what Santa's going to be bringing this year, Kevin. <laughs> a fluorescent light <laughs> <laughs> jammed jammed into an umbrella from pennies, and you have to you have to I have like, an extension cord. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only way you can work. I have an extension cord, plug it into a maze and <laughs> go out in the rain. <laughs>
0: happy christmas kev <laughs> oh but look at this look what do you know what else they do which i love is how densely packed all the the, the, yeah. the city streets are where it's a film of details hmm it's just like you know they probably had 50 extras for yeah a sidewalk or a pavement
1: and all this area all these exteriors that we're seeing throughout the film is all shot in that like one cross section on the Warner Bros lot and they said in the design of it they basically so they had like three roads intersecting that meant they had six sides road sides and they designed them so that you could like you know they're never leaving that space if you know what I mean right 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 so it looks different depending on what side you're shooting yeah from every angle it looks totally different but again in the background it's those it's a New York the the walls are a New York uh, location but they just built on top of that and it's just it's all the details this is the shot so if we're looking at Harrison Ford right now right they couldn't get the uh, the ADR to match up with the actors faces and no matter what they did for the final cut they couldn't make his Harrison Ford's lips match the dialogue or the other actors match the dialogue so what they did was in 2007 was they got Harrison Ford's son Ben Ford to come in, who was by chance uh, owned a restaurant down the street from Sony Studios, where I can't, Warner Bros., sorry. And one of the executives working on it knew him and he said, You wouldn't mind coming in and giving this a shot for us. And so they did, they basically got him and um, took the bottom part of his face and mapped it onto Harrison Ford's face for that shot to make it look to make his mouth the simple. shot where
0: he was pulling the guy
1: t- uh, towards yeah. him by the tight yeah yeah oh. yeah exactly when he was pulling him towards him by the tight and Gosh, so all can of that can we stop
0: and rewind I want to watch that again
1: <laughs> yeah they even drew on they even digitally put on the scar on that Harrison Ford's famous scar uh, onto, his, onto his son
0: which he Seriously. got from a whip is that we, well is this yeah so <laughs> it the last
1: crusade oh that's where it, it happened yeah <laughs> In like in with a line, wasn't he in a in a carriage train carriage? Yeah, he tried to whip a lion, and it, you know,
0: famously, that's what happened. He Harrison Ford's had
1: an int- he's had an interesting life. Harrison Ford really hasn't he? He has. Mm-hmm. He's been the president. Been to space, he's been to space. Yep, yeah. and um...
0: and he's fought aliens.
1: <laughs> he really, truly has.
0: And he married an Amish woman.
1: what <laughs> oh yes yeah, sorry I was like going what are we talking about oh yeah there we are I'm watching him so this was the photograph that he's he's flipping through photographs at this bar and it's that photograph in an earlier scene I was so sure it kind of moved I also might be on some sort of so it's record. it's starting to kick in though is it yeah that's what's happening <laughs> walk out of and in the future everyone's phone number starts at 555 as well I was being so charming
0: I remember actually thinking at the time when I saw this. Oh, it'd be horrible if we were all like doing video phones. I'd hate that. Yeah. And now look at us. Everything is on bloody video phones, and I hate it. <laughs> we did a we did an episode just recently with a guest, um, and uh, I think I actually said, "I'm turning off my camera." Because um. <laughs> I don't like the, this mirror of myself while I'm I trying to talk off. to somebody
1: I turn off me I turn always when I'm on a video call I just turn off me so I don't have to see me I just turn off my camera so that I know that they can't see me alright okay
0: it spoils the illusion you know you want to keep the, the fantasy going
1: see <laughs> <Dear>, what <laughs> <laughs> So now Harrison Ford, he's gone. Or Deckard, he's in a kind of an exotic dance bar, whatever you saying. That is kind of uh, strip club. Uh, yeah, that would be it. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, ma- no, ma'am. It was an exotic dance bar. <laughs> it was, it was really artistic, ma'am. No, seriously, <laughs> it was a titty bar. <laughs> no, no, sorry, I mean um <laughs> um others, <udders>, others, <udders. laughs> Chesticles.
0: everybody, everybody
1: smokes. smokes everyone does yeah did I you ever I, smoke that's one thing I, I I did I did try smoking and um, I was it made Hold me cool you. for about oh well, well my grandmother gave it to me so I must have been seriously don't my grandmother used to give us snuff all the time snuff was like tobacco that you didn't you snorted up your nose she no, did not, did she really? She, she did for real, yeah She would, she used to give us like his cure for sneezing and stuff like that She was like, come here to me and she would, I also always wonder why she used to wait for my parents to leave the room before giving it to me But she used to give my brother fags and all this sort of stuff Yeah, when he was 8 or 9 or 10 or whatever it was Like, you know, yeah That's awful <laughs> Well, But he actually, I don't think he actually ended up smoking that one I smoked one cigarette,
0: I think, when I was about. Well, not even a cigarette. I smoked. I took one inhale, oh, yeah. Yeah. a cigarette, when I must have been about fifteen. Yeah. And I thought, nah, nah, no thanks. Yeah, it's a bit crappy, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, nah. It, this is expensive. This tastes yeah. horrible. I don't need to look cool. I just am cool. <laughs> so I never, was I-, I never smoked.
1: I just used, used to walk around with packs of cigarettes and just hand them out to people hope they would be my friend do you want a cigarette?
0: so when my friends would go outside to smoke I'd um, take a biro with me yeah and I would uh,
1: i pretend to smoke the And <laughs> you'd send up with blue blue lips <laughs> Kevin you've got blue idea. <laughs> hey, Deckard now he's gone to Joanna Cassidy's um, Zora dressing room Zora into her dressing room and he's finally figured, he's finally identified the match for his scale that he found. That's and a good way to destroy your hair. Yeah, that's so cool. They have this like bubble that you go hairdryer and you just stick your head into and it's uh, class. I'm sure it's probably not so good for your um, uh, drums. Okay, watch when Zora is putting on her heels. Nipple. Okay. She, oh yeah, nipple. See, she's got heels. They're quite large. They're like about nipple, nipple, at nipple. least four inches. She inch does. Heels. Okay, wait till she in the next in the next scene. How did we forget this scene? So if
0: somebody does try and explain I, me, who do I go to about? It? Me. These oh are that's the most prominent nipples we've seen so far in all of these commentaries.
1: Yeah, it really <laughs> I am a bit shocked, Kevin. That is Catholic looks like a
0: very uncomfortable um Brazier.
1: Yeah. It's more like something He-Man would wear, you know, or you put on your He-Man doll. <laughs> She gave her for uh, Deckard a, uh, you know he's he's winded. She elbowed him right in the diaphragm, and now she's going to strangle him. These replicants, someone needs to do something about them. <laughs> so now look at her, look at her heels now as she runs out into the into the streets. Where are the heels? No heels. Well,
0: I can tell you, it's very hard to run on heels from
1: experience yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> ask um, Bryce Dallas Howard in, in, in the Jurassic World she wore heels
0: fashion. in the jungle that was so stupid yeah it was
1: just, yeah it really just like you just it was so you could feel the impracticality of it it's just like please this character needs to be wearing something else for God's sake I, I uh, the writer
0: of um, the co-writer of Crocodile Dundee Died recently, oh. uh, R.I.P. And um, on Twitter, I posted uh, the ending of Crocodile Dundee because I oh. love pirating movies. But also, I love that I love that end sequence. It's a beautiful and scene. Yeah, the female character in that is doing the the reverse of the trope of going after the the guy or the guy going after the girl and she's going after yeah. Crocodile Dundee to catch him before she loses her chance she's chasing love essentially and she yeah. takes off her high heels she throws them away so she can run
1: wow You must look at Twitter it's a great <laughs> you've been a good, avoiding that's it lately oh no I haven't when I'm raising I just can't I can't do Twitter I just cannot do it so we're going to come to that scene he's uh, Deckard is chasing uh, Zora through the t- the the, the cluttered streets and she's been ducking and dodging him and we're going to come to the shot where she where he eventually catches up to her and shoots her she smashes through the several sheets of glass because he he
0: is like Deckard is the human version this is an inverse of Terminator you've got a human
1: guy assassinating machines yeah yeah I'm like why do they? Why are they trying to kill these machines? Is it because they're 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 violent, and dangerous? That's probably it.
0: They don't want them to to inspire revolution. Oh,
1: well, there you go. They're all capitalists. Move! Get out of the way! So when um, when they got Joanna Cassidy back, she was the one. She said, "We just need to reshoot it." And she, twenty six years later, she looked amazing. Like. Here we go. She's is her now. Yeah, dessert So now you should see her face replaced, her, her entire head. So all her head is from twenty six years later. Yeah. It's and because it's a slow motion shot it beautiful really stood though. Out. Yeah, it's fa- it's a tragic death. It's a brutal death. And it's not that she goes down after the first shot. She just keeps going so this is her when you see her now that's tw- her 26 years later and even the stuff of her smashing cold, cold. Through, <laughs> smashing through the kind of the snow the Christmassy snowy display there's something you know there's something quite um, Christmassy about it yeah <laughs> 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 he wanted to. <laughs> gets me into moods to put best Christmas up. scene. There we go.
0: <laughs> I love a good assassination.
1: <laughs> Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a jolly scene, I have to say. <laughs> if I, but listen,
0: for those out there who aren't watching, and uh, you probably know this film inside out as much as we do. It's so beautiful looking.
1: Yeah. My it's God. so
0: gorgeous you can see why everyone ripped it off
1: yeah and like it inspired it inspired so much culturally like from um, novels, just the aesthetic of it um, to it just has permeated into the culture one film really, really has had such a dramatic influence on on, on so many other Pieces of art out there. It's really astounding.
0: Philip K. Dick thought it was um, going to revitalise the genre. He died, I think, two months before the film came out, but he'd, he'd managed to see a cut of it. And he thought it was
1: spectacularly well done. Mm-hmm. There's your word again spectacular.
0: He thought it was a triumph, yeah. a revelation. <laughs>
1: I wanna. So I wanted the guy who shot this is a name I actually don't know that well. Is Jordan Cronaweth? That's the name of the cinematographer, um, and he kind of. That was where some of the um,
0: the issues began for Ridley Scott on this production because you know, being from the UK, he was used to operating the camera himself, and because of the union rules in the states, he wasn't allowed to do that. Okay. So there, there are differences between director of photographies. Uh, in the US and the UK and so he was not allowed to touch the camera he had to have that guy
1: I was I saw in the I love when you get documentaries like made decades after the fact because that's when you start to get the candid stuff not the EPK you know uh, PR curated uh, interviews and in the one I saw uh, Dangerous Days was the name of the one I I watched and the (laughs) financiers and producers were quite candid and the actors, and they were saying, like, here, M, Emmett Walsh, who we're watching here, who was talking to Deckard. He said it was very frustrating to be on set because you could do the exact same thing. You, they could be setting up all day for hours and hours and hours. And then at the end of the day, it would say, right, you were rushed to get your performance out because they spent so much time setting everything up that they didn't actually give. There was no room to get your performance out or to shoot the scenes. And um, so there was, they were constantly rushed and then one of the um, financiers was also very frustrated because he was looking at the dailies and he said he would see eight or nine or ten takes where the performance was exactly the same and he was asked when he would ask Ridley Scott says why why did you keep going he says oh you see the shadow in the background you know that was just wasn't right so Ridley was really focused in on everything that was being captured in camera and um, at that stage in his career he was very much of the opinion of that the actor that the actor should come in and just do their job and um, I'm going to focus on the visuals and I think that was also a a source of frustration between Harrison Ford and himself Ford himself really fell out all the time during this and um, but I think he seems to have changed I think he gets good performances out of actors in his later films I think all these films I remember
0: seeing I remember seeing Russell Crowe doing an interview on the set of Gladiator before Gladiator had been released and his thing was that, and I was sort of amazed that he'd said this, um, he said that uh, Ridley is a great visualist, but I'm not sure he has a great handle on story or characters, so I was a bit nervous about that aspect. And I thought, "Whoa, shit, that's a bit um, uh, bossy to say that about your director while you're still making the film. Mm-hmm. But I suppose people had um, lots of opinions about him.
1: Well, it's a it's a very unusual thing for an actor to say while in production of a film.
0: Yeah, it's, and that was also, also a difficult production.
1: Yep, my neighbour was died in the making of that. Uh, um, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you told me. Um, yeah.
0: Didn't he have a, a dick and balls as his door knocker? Yeah,
1: he 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 still he lived in um, Churchtown, which is a, a village very close to where I come from originally, and yeah, he was. Uh, like he was a big character, locally supposed to be a nice man, but yeah and he's on his door on his front door there was a, a brass penis and testicles instead of a door knocker. You would just grab the penis and lock the penis to to get to gain entry but he's um he's buried there in churchtown and he when they when he died during the making of gladiator um they had a huge everybody throat.
0: went round to that house and just kept slamming that. Cock and bulls door knocker.
1: (laughs) But listen, what was mad? I remember. I remember at the time it was uh, 99, I think, and it was Churchstone is literally a small, tiny little village across post office, church, um, bar, and the 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 graveyard is right across from the from the pub, like. And but for the, the for his funeral mass, like. A huge star showed up. Like there was like rolling stones. There was I think a few Beatles were there and it was incredible. And um I just remember this it, it was one of those weird moments where the kind of cultural universe just kind of landed in this small little village in northwest Cork for one weekend. It's kind of amazing. So it was good that he died really. Yeah, it was good for good for the local area, yeah. Great for tourists that weekend. <laughs> yeah. We had a good weekend that weekend. Happy days. People still People still go there. There's a gate to the church, and uh, when people, you can go in and get to the gate. You can go into the pub and ask for the key to the gate. But the publican says, Oh, you know what the tradition is? You have to take a pint over to, to Oliver Reed's grave. And so oh, he says, oh, what, what a capitalist. <laughs> yeah. And you go across and you drop, take a pint over. And, and they used to say that there'd be lads then from the pub would just climb the wall and then take the pint. <laughs> 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 oh, you don't pour it onto the grass. You just leave it there. <laughs> no, you, you spoil, well, No, you just, you say, no, you have to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so, poor, we haven't talked about this film that much, but Deckard's gotten back, and, and he's been rescued. <laughs> he, he's been rescued by uh, Sean Young's uh, character. I was actually look at what, what is her name. I should know this. Rachel. Rachel. Sorry, it's Rachel. um
0: and, so and you know, this is the hairstyle which inspired the Rachel that everyone was getting. <laughs> you come after me? And when we going into the hairdresser saying, "Give me the Rachel," and they'd come up with this <laughs> fucking <it's> helmet.
1: <gasps> That's the Rachel. Wow! <laughs> Amazing. This film really did influence culture in a massive way. <laughs> Harrison Ford's dad bod well, come here if I had that bod I'd be quite <laughs> happy god damn it won't we run shirtless all the time yeah I'd be bloody well but even in this frigid, podcast would be it would be a video podcast yeah oh yeah I'm just going just draw a picture I would just draw my face on my torso and try and animate <laughs> my my abdomen
0: like one of those funfair things where you put your head through yeah. a uh, <laughs> through a mural <laughs> You've got like a strong man <laughs> torso.
1: You'd
0: do your head in with all the spotlights f- flaring into the windows. Yeah.
1: But you know the gas thing about this film, right? Oh, we're, we're watching this now I'm, as we're going along. And like, it doesn't have a, a big plot. Like, it's the story. Mo- it, it has a slow pace. Like we know what's happening. Rachel's still with him and he kind of is pretty mean to Rachel as it's coming up. But like we're able to like uh, quite quickly, like, you know, easily follow what's actually happening from scene to scene. Um, it's a relaxed pace. It's just it's not a. This isn't an, an action packed. It's not a Marvel movie. No, there you go. Or Fast and the Furious or not Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible followed, where we were just going, I have no idea what's happening. I don't a <laughs> oh Do
0: you know that. why that was though? Because so much of that film's plot was delivered in
1: dialogue. In expositional oh, yeah. chunks. Yeah. And here we are actually seeing the characters go from place to place. Yeah. Whereas with this, no, it's qu- it is quite clear. Um, that Deckard is a replicant. So, he shot this
0: right after he did Raiders.
1: Yeah, yeah. He auditioned. He auditioned while he was in in Indiana Jones costume.
0: It's a good sort of role for him, I think. Mm -hmm, Despite his difficulties, yeah, I think he's he's well suited to it.
1: Yeah, I think it was maybe an anchor around his neck at the time. You know, the fact that it was a commercial failure and critics were people were people were divided about this film when it came out. Um, test audiences were very confused by it they didn't have a fucking clue what was going on and that's what um, inspired the, the, the awkward awkward narration
0: but listen, what is to be confused about it's so simple as you're saying it's just a straightforward yeah. he's a bounty hunter, he's out to, to round up and retire in their words these escapees who are androids very very simple and in the process, he is forming a relationship with the Rachel Android, which is the next evolution.
1: Yeah. I think it was what was confusing was that maybe the the language of the dialogue, like the city, the city speaks stuff. And, you know, I think it, it, it tripped people up where they went, hang on a second, is this person human? They didn't get, they weren't clearly getting what was going on, you know, and um this was a noir film in a, in a time when noir films weren't in vogue um
0: I know that that um Cameron called the uh, the nightclub in Terminator which was about three years after this yeah oh no two years after this this is but would you call this technoware yeah like sci-fi noir yeah technoir
1: yeah it would be yeah sci-fi noir and as I was saying, I I didn't I think you have to be a certain I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, uh noir films, I did not appreciate noir films in my late teens, early twenties at all. But it wasn't until I got into my 30s, that were late 20s, early 30s, that I actually I feel I matured into the noir type of storytelling, that 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 type of story. And as a result, I've grown to appreciate Blade Runner more and more because it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying these, these You're at heroes. the same speed as the film. Yeah, slow down, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm creaking. But I relate, I suppose, I relate more. I can understand and relate to the characters and the complexities of these mature adult relationships more, I suppose, as I've matured myself. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe what, what it's I'd just read, that the
0: reality that we're living in is matching up with the reality of the film.
1: Sinking up, yeah. And,
0: uh, yeah, it's like... We also live in a dystopian hellscape, <laughs> which is cynical and cold, and we're on video calls all the time and working from home. Yeah. This is a very violent love scene. It is. He's, this he's,
1: is a bit rapey.
0: Yeah, it's not pleasant at all. It's, no. Because, like... He's like sort of battling his own demons thinking, can I have sex with this thing? But she's so clearly upset
1: by it, it's it's really unpleasant. Yeah, it's definitely, this is one of those scenes that does not age well. It wouldn't happen nowadays, basically.
0: I hate that term, age well. I don't care if something ages well or not. Stuff is what it is. Got to sort of be mature enough to be able to... ...view things in the context in which they were created.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
0: Yeah. I think this was unpleasant at the time... ...and it's unpleasant Mm -hmm.
1: now. It always was. And it's it's a creative choice. It always
0: was. People get so confused these days... ...or some people pretend to get confused... ...where showing something... ...is validating... ...the choices of those characters... Well, you you are, in other words, platforming a certain behaviour. I don't agree with that.
1: Give me an example. Clarify that for me, Kevin.
0: That this is an acceptable way to have a love scene.
1: Oh, okay. I get what you mean.
0: Okay. So you watch it, and, and you would think that.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And it is not, and the filmmakers aren't saying this is this is acceptable. They're not saying that.
0: Yeah, I mean that's probably a bad example, but mm-hmm. there, there are lots of I don't know situations where a character does something unheroic, and you have to. Um, I don't know. We're back in.
1: On. Uh,
0: yeah, let's get into the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just going here we've gone <laughs> on to Sebastian we're back with J.R. Sebastian or J.F. Sebastian and Daryl Hannah and um and dick nose yeah it does look like a penis for a nose for a platypus she's uh, she, she's really getting comfortable in this she looks like a pop star when you said uh, is it Debbie Harry you said was was up for the role yeah she turned it down yeah my god yeah it just it, and it looks like then they just went and put a wig on Daryl Hannah to make her look like debbie Harry cast adamant there's my favorite character in the whole thing j s the best
0: actually that's a that's a good question who is the most likable character in the movie?
1: Just answer it probably answer. is J.S. Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the most, because he's the one, unfortunately, he's the one that gets exploited and he has, he he craves companionship and friendship and he's compassionate to, this, to Daryl Hannah and let her come in and stay in his uh, place and doesn't seem to be exploiting her and all of a sudden when we have Roy Batty showing up which he will in a moment you really do fear for him because you really go oh when's it going to turn bad for poor JF Sebastian and he just appears Rooker Howard is amazing in this he's just he's hair God above he's fantastic (laughs) again that hairstyle that hairstyle isn't it's not it doesn't feel like it's from that era from the 80s when you it, when I look at it that when I look at his costume design and the way he's made up he, it looks timeless it looks like a TikTok hairstyle TikTok you mean like a social media
0: <laughs> yeah, I've just dated this when TikTok is oh, well. gone in six months yes the TikTok
1: was so last <laughs> decade
0: that's such a Vine hairstyle
1: <laughs> it's like something you see on Beebo. I... or something you see I'm Chim cham I'm just gonna invent future (laughs) social medias right now what about Plick (laughs) Pluck? there's only two of us now such an interesting performance Mm mhm they seem to have really amped up also in the, the special editions the kind of the glimmer and shimmer in the replicants eyes you know the way they reflect back um I don't feel like it was in the earlier versions that I saw, anyway.
0: Which is the opposite technique they do in The Thing. In The Thing, they really? don't give... Yeah, any of the... Dean Cundey, who was the DP on that, uh, this didn't have any reflection in the eyes of the characters who were inhuman. Ah, oh, okay. So you, you don't see that little glint. Wow in certain characters. So in Keith David at the end of the film he doesn't have that. But apparently.
1: Oh, wow. No. That's going to be that has to be, I hope in some way shape or form that's going to be our one of our best bits. Some way we can do an audio commentary on that film.
0: Why is there? I, I mean, I'm going to have to shoehorn it in at some stage even if even if we get best rom-com scene. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: It's got it's going in there.
0: It's in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Best happy ending. <laughs> 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 this Christmas scene it's snowing so
0: in this sequence Chris and Roy Batty are at J.S. Sebastian's house and they are manipulating him into uh, him taking them to Tyrell Corporation's headquarters mm-hmm
1: Bastards. Fucking, fucking bastards. Poor GS Sebastian. He doesn't this deserve this. But he's got so many. Again, everything in this film is. Every location is just. Riddled with details. Just unusual details where you can just watch around the characters and look at this. Oh, there's a stuffed ostrich. Daryl Hanna doing an amazing gymnastic kind of backflip. This amazing. whole film is on fleek. <laughs> oh my god she grabs the uh, the boiled egg up. out of the thing what do you
0: mean? And that was really boiling water as well
1: they did 18 takes and Daryl Hannah <laughs> had to do all of them I don't know much about she, she went through years of skin grafts mm. <laughs> she she suffers for her for her craft if we don't find help soon Pris hasn't got long to live mm. Is he good? they were all they were all born in 2016 which is nuts which is nuts all these replicants that was a
0: bad year <laughs> it was the year of Brexit Maybe
1: he could have. all God. these bastards were born during Brexit I did a, a child born in 2016 I'm going to have to go in and start checking her eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> come here girly <laughs> open eyes I mean I uh,
0: I don't know what her future will entail after you named her Brexit yes.
1: <laughs> this was <Yes>. before Brexit <laughs> who knew I named her after Saint Brexit <laughs> will you help us? the patron saint of, oh. of stupid ideas of oh, xenophobia <laughs> need you, yeah. need you only poor he's just it, poor J.F. Sebastian is just getting oh my god
0: he's becoming the main character
1: what he is like he's just my, he is my favourite character in this no question about it and we had um, oh am I ro- no I was totally wrong I was just about to say oh so many of the so many of the talent in this were actually involved in Yodawaski's Yodawaski's Dune but in actual fact it was you know it was Alien that an awful lot of you know You have you ever seen that documentary uh, yeah I do did him. it was a
0: great documentary it's really good it's a great documentary I was gonna ask you you've got IMDB open though. what's the trivia yeah. that IMDB
1: has oh okay um some computer displays within the vehicles were used on the Nostromo and the lifeboat in Alien and some amazing things, some sounds can be, were also some of the sounds were also used on Nostromo there you go um Originally, the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep was set in 1992, although later editions brought the date forward to 2021. The filmmakers initially identified the date as 2020, but settled on 2019 because 2020 sounded too much like a common term for perfect vision 2020.
0: See, they should have just listened to this commentary, they would have known that.
1: Yeah, why (laughs) go through all those different versions of the book? Anything else? Uh, yes. The, oh, that's a sad one. Um, Tell me. Roy I Batty's, love sad things. Uh, uh, Roy Batty's odd meld of father and fucker, um, after he says it to Tyrell, I want more life, is deliberate. Rooker Hauer was instructed to pronounce it in such a way that it could be both fucker so uh, fucker was to be used in the theatrical cut and father in all versions uh, of the television uh, when it was used TV movie version so when we're at the scene right now when Roy Batty comes into Tyrell
0: I always wondered why he called him a mother father
1: here you go motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) they're not all winners so when we're going to come to the Roy Batty, you know, he's death's monologue. And according to IMDb, um, the Roy Batty, uh, originally Roy Batty was to have a lengthy monologue just prior to his death. As written by uh, David Peoples, uh, Ruckerhower felt the text was too technical, had no bearing in, in the film and referred to locations with which the audience would be unfamiliar. This didn't help creating any dramatic impact in the scene. In the, the night before filming, uh, without Sir Ridley Scott's knowledge, Hooker, Howard uh, uh, removed much of the monologue, kept the pieces he liked, and then added the last two lines All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain, time to die. After they finished filming the scene with Howard's version, the crew members applauded, and some of them were even moved to tears. And I, there you go.
0: And I think that was like um, his last day on
1: set as well. Yeah, yeah. And. They completely then ruined it.
0: It's it's a lovely moment, and I, I think on his graves, on his tomb or his mausoleum, whatever he has, rego- oh, wow. he has a quote from that monologue,
1: which is, um, "I've seen things That's you amazing. people wouldn't believe." And they in the in the uh, original cut. They completely ruined it when they put in Harrison Ford or Dickard's um, voiceover. And it basically he <laughs> comes in and he goes, whatever he meant, by, <laughs> 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 Awfully, <laughs> this man just close to death understood what being human was. And he managed to see, let, he allowed himself to save me. He had found humanity at the last moment of his own life. And it really just, it was like such a, Bum note in in that version. So I think you no know, how no matter how much you can advocate for the the voiceover version of the film, that moment is just awful. The there he goes, father, and he said she actually was saying fucker.
0: The, the facts of life.
1: I, of I, life I love Terrell's t- t- uh, um, glasses. And obviously it's in, this film influenced pop culture and they obviously influenced Dennis Taylor's snooker glasses. Very which, focused. Uh, there we go. This is a very, very deep cut for anyone who was alive in 1985 who knows who Dennis Taylor was. He used to wear his glasses upside down
0: on I'm Spreading yeah, Image
1: anyway. <laughs> He's a snooker player. He wore upside down, upside down glasses. <laughs> kind of like Tyrell's. But they're kind of cool glasses. It's a good look. Oh, I wouldn't wear them. I'd look like
0: I'd, I'd have a van with a load of children's teddies in the back.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, and what all? It's this a horrible kind of death scene. Like, oh, it's awful. Uh, it's something that was reinserted. So it's one of awful. The shots I love it. As. It's, it wasn't in the theatrical cut. It wasn't as gruesome in the original cut. The there was a scene cut out of the film actually as well that I found for this. And it's one, you know, the first guy who gets killed, Holden. He doesn't mm-hmm. get killed actually. He gets shot by Leon in the very first scene. He's still alive. He's in like this, uh, Deckard actually goes and visits him in a hospital. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that scene?
0: I think I have, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, he it's goes cool. with He's James almost, doesn't he? James.
1: Yeah. From BSG. So yep. James, uh, yeah, and uh, he goes in and he's chatting to him, but he's inside in like this um, kind of, uh, yeah, just this kind of like tub. When he's got, oh God, he's got like wrap all around his body, and it's very unusual looking. But yeah, never made any cut. The novel hints that is Deckard a replicant problem by having Deckard casually mention that one indicator of an android is a lack of sympathy for other androids. He's oh, here's that awful scene. Oh no. Oh no! Crush, crack. Yeah, it's awful. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's awful. It's like if you ever have like um,
0: red grapes and you squeeze them.
1: Oh god. Sorry for all those people who aren't watching the film. This is really actually explicit.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my god. I mean did the job <laughs> he's blind Sorry, well, he won't Sebastian. need those glass he won't need those glasses anymore that's for sure
0: awful evil bastards this is why we shouldn't have replicants
1: yeah I'm, I'm going Siri I'm self-destruct
0: You've seen all the Alexa. trouble we've had with PodBot. I mean, fuck's sake.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Why didn't we learn? We've watched enough films to learn not to make our AI. that's Lockdown's been yet. hard. Yeah, I suppose we just needed the company. Yeah. Couldn't get the staff. I was bored. <laughs> I was bored, you know. Just, and there are just, the little
0: mini-Androids.
1: It's it's terrible how... it. Oh, no. oh yeah, they are. Are they in the end? I suppose they are, yeah. Oh, they're loose now. He's 25. Brad, they actually call it the Bradbury Apartments. Yeah, you can see it on the outside. You can actually see the, the Bradbury names on the building and everything.
0: And those spinner vehicles. Yeah, they're so cool. I'm Deckard, Blade Runner
1: the raindrops I always love shots when you have like the, the, the shadow of rain coming down characters faces it's yeah
0: it's great Okay. a friend of mine was just saying recently that when we were kids uh, there used to be a lot of shows on telly like Beyond 2000 or Tomorrow's World but yeah. it was always about new inventions or new, new technologies that were being invented and what the future might look like and mm-hmm. uh, it was always really exciting because you thought oh this is going to happen that's going to happen and that'll be cool and and yeah. now those shows don't exist anymore. And the future is like Blade Runner. It's just, it's gonna get hotter. It's gonna get worse. Poverty is gonna continue.
1: Yeah, billionaires are going to leave the planet. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you're absolutely so right there. And any future tech that we been that's been kind of like promoted is is like the the next iphone or the next phone next year's phone models that are coming it's very insular it's
0: like it's like mm -hmm. virtual reality and that kind of stuff it's like i don't want that i want i want like technology that makes life the actual physical world that we live in better
1: better yeah here you can you can now live in your fridge for a week (laughs) you've got a plasma, 42 inch plasma tv inside your fridge (laughs) that is quite um nihilistic and slightly depressing yeah it would be nice to have some shows out there that that shows us there's some cool stuff on the horizon guys yeah optimism just yeah not just, cons- Where yeah, hope not just consumer consumer stuff you No know, actual just this is this is the potential for us in the future it's like we used to have uh air travel that would go at the speed
0: of sound the Concorde. we don't have that anymore
1: yeah 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 it's a fascinating story about the whole I'm not going to get into it now but if anyone's there you should look into the whole spy shenanigans um, between the the development of those of the Concorde and the the Russian version of the supersonic jet it's amazing it's real proper Cold War stuff
0: oh I'd love to hear that actually save it for
1: um, save it for uh... spy (laughs) Spy. (laughs) we do we do a spy episode best plane scene yeah it's amazing stuff now you hear the you've seen the Bradbury building in all its glory again and this is how the building looks only they have lit it uh, in an amazing way and their offices like Such lights. today Now, you know pretty sure they're just uh, they're just offices really you can get into it. It's a you can go there if you're in Los Angeles. There's visiting hours. Uh, you can go in, like in, think in the morning time, and you can kind of wander around the lower floor, which you can't go. Obviously, up the uh, the upper floors are occupied by Apple and not Apple, but cup. <laughs> yeah. So if you remember Double Indemnity, this, their offices would have been around on this floor as well that's such a great
0: film for anyone out there who hasn't seen this go watch Double Indemnity it's so good Mm.
1: there's an Newark yeah yeah
0: god what's that other one that I just watched recently for the first time
1: it's Police Academy wasn't it sweet smell of success
0: (gasps) oh you want to know embarrassingly I Lancaster, seen
1: this. Lancaster, and Tony Curtis. Yeah. Oh, it's so good! It, so so good. Was it amazing? I got it was. Watch that. Match me, Sydney. He's so good. Billy Wilder was fantastic. He really was. He was. Great dialogue. Yeah, the apartment's class, and I must watched dialogue seventeen again? Actually.
0: So we're um. Watching Deckard look for Pris and he's going through uh, Sebastian's house and all those little toys and mannequins are um, hiding the fact that Pris is right in sight, wearing a veil.
1: It's very creepy, isn't it? Because there are other dolls, like very humanistic uh, dolls just lying around the place and um, she is literally right in front of him. (laughs) <laughs> oops oh my god she just gave him a a kick right to the ghoulies and now she's she's doing <laughs> I've not heard ghoulies in so long Bring <laughs> and her hair has just gone become like like crazy like, static electricity I never understood so she's got she's got him in this crush her, she's got him between his thighs she's right? doing the zinnia on the top ouch that's horrible yeah, yuck yeah and now she sticks Ow. her fingers in his nose and does this I don't kind of like that at all. that's horrible <laughs> oh I never understood what was happening he was on the ground when she was doing this and now she, she's going to do this somersault yeah she's very much just like a on the top yeah from Goldeneye. and now she's having a, a toddler oh, tantrum in a supermarket she'd
0: just been shot
1: oh my god they, when these uh, replicants go down they don't go down quietly they really do oh god they're very annoying <laughs> I hate seeing things suffer even when it's the when it's our bad guys or our villains but she was kind of a sympathetic you know you kind of had a bit of compassion for for um oh god let's um I'm gonna have to find out what we I I. I Hannah. our characters. Oh, her name is Chris. 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 Yeah. Oh, it is Chris. Yeah. She's the prissy one. Oh yeah, Roy Batty. Kevin, we're not coming towards the end of the film. This is—is is this like the showdown between Roy Batty and? Harrison it is, Edward? and it goes on for Deckard. a good section. Jesus Christ! It really is a fact. Deckard does not do very much in the way of detective work at this film. It's incredible. <laughs> Are you going off the film as you're watching it? <laughs> well it's now that you pointed out now that I'm kind of like like really am like I'm not listening to the sound, I'm not listening to the music and the score. Um we're just chatting, but I'm actually kind of more like aware of the plot. And truly he he just scanned in a photograph and kind of said, Oh yeah, maybe and, and was able to match up the scale to um to Zora's character but uh, everything else is he's kind of bumbled his way through it oh. so Roy Batty knows after seeing that Pris is dead
0: I know he's tonguing her yeah that's so
1: creepy she's got her tongue oh she's dead she's got her tongue out and then he comes in but he basically pushes her tongue back in with his own tongue <laughs> <laughs> hmm
0: It's a cool gun he's got.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a hand cannon. Literally a hand cannon. (laughs) But no, Deckard's shooting off at uh, Ray Batty. He's moving along a a wall. And what happens now always made me squirm. It always... What happens to Deckard? Oh, the fingers. Yeah, the fingers. It always just went... Yuck, horrible. Yeah. I like the details. Like, you've water... You water trickling down the wall of this building. It's obviously uh, a safety hazard to live in here. Betty's after... Doesn't Harrison Ford the
0: make the funniest faces when he's demonstrating pain? Or... <laughs> it's always
1: like he's gurning. He's like... But it's... But I think it's good because it's it feels genuine. Now, Batty has got Harrison Ford. He's breaking his fingers one oh, at a time. My. This is for Pris... Oh, God. And he puts the gun back in his hand with two broken fingers.
0: Seem to be good oh, my God. Now it's my turn. Awful. Now it's my turn. I'm going to give you a few seconds before, One, few seconds before I come. That's what she said.
1: <laughs> like, And this is the other thing, like... Deckard really hasn't demonstrated any... Like, see the way Pris... Like, if he was a replicant, he's a shit replicant. All the replicants seem to be super strong or super something, Mm -hmm. right? Deckard has never once shown any inclination to have any sort of, like, super ability. No, because he's human. He's fallible. Yeah, there you go. Roy Batty is just super creepy super uh, necrophilic nice tasting the blood yeah he's gone back to Pris and he's uh, well he didn't quite taste the blood not yet anyway but also we assume that Batty is Batty's character is on his clock is ticking as well he's almost dead he just cried as well yeah yes he did taste her blood I mean, how could you stop yourself? It's just. Ash will have an old supper.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's how you can fix your broken
1: fingers. Oh, God. <laughs> just break it the other way. <laughs> have you ever God. broken any bones? Uh, broken my nose, uh, but I've never broken any extreme, have you? How did you break your nose? My brother pushed me off a, a big sp- stack of uh, hay, and I landed, and my nose landed on landed- grass or on like my no, my knee. My knee hit my face. Oh God! You know when you, if you can, yeah. Ah,
0: oh, wow, wow, you know, wow, my, wow, wow, wow. If you wow. land
1: hard and you do, sh- yeah. like so, I was literally jerked forward, and my knee hit my face. That's bad. How be. old were you when that happened? It's probably about twelve, I'd imagine. How about you? No, I never
0: broke anything. Yeah, God Now that I've said that I'll probably jinx myself
1: Yeah oh, no, no bad he's stripped off And he is Crazy looking He's down to his boxers And he is And he's wearing traveling.
0: He's wearing very modern Like up to the Up to Current fashion trends Jocks
1: Yeah 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 He really is He was really date it If he was
0: running around With white fronts on <laughs> Yeah
1: Yeah Harrison Ford is—I I don't know—I question it. Harrison Ford is just scaling the walls, and his plan is just to go out through the roof. You know, that's his big plan. It's just like
0: when just you're being chased, as we learned in scream, always run upwards, upstairs. Oh, okay.
1: Because that's is that what bad? They say in
0: scream? Yeah, it's like they point out that that's such a dumb idea. When you're being chased, run out the front door, not up the stairs.
1: Mm. Oh, and we see baddies and kind of like he's not able to control his hand And look at the state of that bathroom oh, Jesus, it's like a ho- leaking it's like everywhere oh, geez, oh, ch- 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 oh no yeah so anyone who's listening to this is just hearing us going ow because <laughs> 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 we have we see Harrison Ford doing surgery on himself cro- cutting across with Rye Batty also doing surgery on himself That's so we have two characters who are both min- trying to manipulate their broken appendages, and um, in quite uncomfortable fashions. Jesus Christ! Christ yeah, I hear, Almighty! I hear, <laughs> I hear if you've got a bad cramp, you just the best, best cure is stick a stick a six inch <laughs> nail through your hands. That's the best
0: uh, cure. I'll tell you what the most pain I've ever had has had to do with cramps getting like a cramp oh, really? in, your, in your leg
1: oh Jesus! oh yeah it's awful, it's awful. <sighs> Roy Batty now has just shoved his head through the cat- through the bathroom it's quite humorous <laughs> you're talking about getting bad cramps I'll always remember one night my brother used to get terrible cramps after like football training and stuff like that and I remember one night oh, yes, in the middle of the night he just burst through my bedroom door and just like collapsed onto my bed roaring at me bend my fucking feet back both his thighs had cramped up <laughs> his, his legs were just sticking up like pins in the air both his thighs, both of his thighs had, had cramped up at the same time and so he was in absolute furious agony and I was just, he was, he was screaming bend him back further you bastard oh my god that's <laughs> why they give yeah. you bananas
0: you gotta have the potassium to stop <laughs> you getting cramps potassium yeah. it's an awful awful uh, pain it's terrible yeah Bend my legs back, you bastard! <laughs>
1: that was kind of my feet, like, bastard. <laughs> 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 I know. Deckard is out on the side, scaling the outside of the the Bradbury building. This, this is
0: just like a horror movie. It's like the, the the final girl with the chase through the the main compound. Yeah, this could be. Fucking anybody it could be. Jason Voorhees going after him
1: he's fantastic like Ruckerhauer is I, I isn't, he, wish, isn't he a fantastic he's a fantastic man I just wish he had uh, like uh, an, a, a greater catalogue of films I don't know if you've seen did you ever see he'd oh, what was that he did a Paul Verhoeven film uh, kind of a knights and sword and sorcery one
0: uh, yes famous. oh god okay back to IMDB uh, I know the film I'll get
1: there before you I'm getting there before you I'm going to get there before you so I am just going to so nail this
0: um Ladyhawk Lady and Blood
1: Kevin. No no, 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 no I'm not Lady Hawk. Lady um, Flesh and Blood. He wasn't Lady Hawk. He wasn't Ladyhawk. But that's class as well. Richard Donner. Richard Donner. But Flesh and Blood, the Paul Verhoeven. He. They came out the same year. Lady Ladyhawk and Flesh and Blood came out the same year. But Flesh and Blood was done by Ho- uh, Paul Ver, Paul Verhoeven. And it is well worth a watch. It's a sword and sorcery film. And um, that's in the wheel. Are, we
0: might get a sword and sorcery topic at some stage.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's class! It really is. But imagine Paul Verhoeven doing a sword and sorcery film. Like it is, it is as you expect. It's full of debauchery and nipples and uh, and uh, satirical ads. <laughs> 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 this looks like the Batman set. It really does, Tim Burton. It? it's so cool I have to say this restoration is the best looking version
0: people will be listening to um, this audio commentary going like oh we've got the two screenwriters now let's hear what they have to say about Blade Runner this will be a very interesting discussion and we're like
1: bend my legs back you bastard and it looks like Batman (laughs) Okay. we really should open up all these audio commentaries with a disclaimer to say that do not listen to this uh, podcast if you are about your commentary if you're expecting some insightful observations and screenwriting knowledge because you're not going to get it you're the just compliments that
0: I get, get from friends are you two mad bastards and you two <laughs> <laughs> you two two talking about the end of Jaws and you saying you can see the land and me saying I'm telling you now as somebody who tried to swim across a lake that's a lot further than it looks and I made a mind just being in bits laughing at the absolute shite that we came out with
1: it's awful I where do really you get the pigeon sometimes. or yeah, a dove it's a, it's a dove and again it's it's you know as the as the narration says as the awful narration this is kind of the shot from the poster when Harris is hanging up the side of the building that um he found so he found his own humanity that he just wanted to be close <laughs> to something. He wanted to be close to something living as he died. Harrison Ford, a monotone delivery. A Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it?
0: Which he said he didn't sandbag it. He actually tried but the monologue was so awful.
1: Oh yeah. Or he the narration was so believe awful. That. I I don't believe him. I don't believe the 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 people saying Oh, he just went in and monitored. It's just if the if the dialogue is crap, the dialogue is crap. You can't for some reason you can't polish
0: I f- a turd. But here's the thing: for some reason, I thought that it was somebody else that did the narration who was trying to sound like Harrison Ford. Oh, whoa, okay. He's for some so- reason, I thought that that was uh, out there was that they got somebody else in to record him.
1: Oh no, no, it was him, absolutely. So here he's we're playing to a very
0: actor. weak character here, isn't he? He's like he's cowering, he's scared, he's
1: And I always find that Harrison Ford is good at doing that. I think it's he's he's great at taking punches. Take he's yeah, as you said, he's got a great expressive face. Like he he's a good, very very good actor. It's just that he just the characters bigger kind of in a. Here's the sc- Here's the scene, Kevin. It is. You want to read
0: It's pretty questionable for me to pick this as the best monologue of all time, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: ever. Ever. I and mean, there
0: are so many. <clears throat> I've watched Sea Beams. Glitter in the Dark near the Tannhauser Gate.
1: I always thought it was. It's actual C as in the Pause.
0: Dramatic pause. A pregnant pause, as we say in screenwriting. All those moments will be lost. Pause in time like in memories tears, and oh really is that what it says that's not what my copy in says rain.
1: tears in rain <laughs> that's
0: what it is <laughs> I remember watching um, uh, a, a pirated film uh, when I was backpacking once and somebody had obviously d- written the it, English translation just based on what the words sounded like so
1: it was a yeah. uh, it I gotta, was com- I'm going to cut across you in a second Sorry Kevin There's a shot coming up This shot when the pigeon flies off That's a big it's a dove. restoration shot the, dove, the, dove. the shot of it flying to, into the sky Was a big restoration shot The original shot was awful Because it was just it, They released a dove in daytime Up by some chimneys And it looked awful And I think all everyone just groaned forever But they went through a lot of work To try and figure out What it should be And they, they redid that completely Sorry, Kevin. Didn't mean to cut across you, but I just thought it was... That's fine. ...the appropriate time to do that. But you were talking about he, they had written... Oh, yeah, that, du- that was
0: it, really. They just... Um, oh, right. Subtitles were all fucked up.
1: It's like when you've got the auto-subtitle on in YouTube and uh, it's, just, it's just literally gobbledygook. It just comes yeah. up. It's like the
0: YouTube calls our show the best butts. <laughs>
1: But the one difference that I learned from watching uh, that uh, that monologue right there was that when he says I've seen C-beams I always thought it was S-E-A-beams as in C-beams but it's the letter C-beams is what it is. I prefer C-beams S-E-A as in yeah I always imagined that's what it was well, C-beams then becomes very scientific They
0: don't ever give him any um, subtitles because he's making up his own language
1: Ah oh, he's doing the city speak Gaff yeah There you go there you go and that was apparently one of the reasons audiences...
0: I just learned the other day that the, the a language that was invented um, in the 19th century, do you know what it was?
1: Uh, I don't know. Tell me.
0: Esperanto. Really? Mm, yeah. Put that in your commentary and enjoy oh, it. Wow. <laughs> wow. And we're finally getting what appears to be daylight.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is the version not uh, in which we won't get the outtakes from sh- The Shining. Good. I hated that. It's such a nice cut yeah. with the elevator. Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. So Deckard is back. Roy Batty is, who haven't ha- hasn't seen it, Roy Batty's obviously died and uh, he's been rescued by James Elder, um James... Ah. I'm going to... James Earl Jones is not... He's, no, that's James, not Edward him. James Olmos. I know, Edward James Olmos. Um... And he's gone back to his apartment. i call him
0: Gaff. That was his character name.
1: Okay. He's a gaff man.
0: (laughs) If you listen to our podcast, we do a lot of gaffs. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's for sure. You're absolutely right. Edward James Olmos.
0: I'm going to have to drill that into my head. I loved Battlestar Galactica. Did you ever watch the TV reboot that he was in? Yeah it was amazing It was Absolutely. And I
1: don't care People gave out about the ending I didn't care I enjoyed the whole damn thing
0: No I agree with them I didn't like the ending They should have ended Two episodes earlier
1: I can't remember what that was I'm going to have to watch The whole thing it's again It's where they landed On the wrong code. planet
0: I think And it just ended In a really sour, Sort of downbeat note And then It it just continued And they ended up on Earth I think Present day Earth
1: Yeah I'm going to have to watch it again Because I can't remember What would actually end it It ended with them Walking around the streets Of New York Yeah, everyone watch. Anyone who hasn't seen uh, Battlestar Galactia ever, you should watch it now because now we've just told you how it ends. (laughs) Um, Ah, but the mysteries and who's
0: going to do what, when.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it. The whole cycle continues. No, it was quite cool. It was a great series. So, uh, Deckard's reunited with. Are they gonna Rachel. Are they gonna do the Spider-Man kiss? Do it. This, is, this, is, this is where the um the, the Ross and Rachel thing originated as well, because Deckard's first name is Ross Deckard. They did the Spider-Man kiss. Oh my god, I, I can't rake. believe it. <laughs> this is where the <laughs> Spider-Man Kiss came. This film has really influenced culture. We've got the Rachel haircut, the Spider Man Kiss, and Ross and Rachel.
0: <laughs> and Rukaho is jocks.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the haircut, man. The
0: credits must be very long on this because I remember this ending right now. And we see
1: the, so, the little origami unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only clue. That's the only clue. Aside from the... And they put a little shimmer on his eye. I'm pretty sure they added a shimmer to his eye as well. Bastards. What was I talking about? It's too bad you won't live. Then again, who does? That's the line you're talking about. Yeah, so it's gaffs, says that line. So yeah, here in the theatrical cut, what they had in was they had them sailing off, literally riding off to the sunset. Literally? What they use... Yeah, well, literally, because they were <laughs> out in... They used outtakes from The Shining, from the opening shots of The Shining. And... Um, they, you could see the, the car and The Shining driving up to the Overlook Hotel hotel, and it was supposed to be Deckard and Rachel driving off for their holidays <laughs> for a week in the Overlook Hotel. It would be great if we have that. Until
0: they, uh, until they end up in Vegas and have a kid. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, we didn't actually talk about the sequel at all, as a matter of fact. I didn't uh, like the
0: sequel the first time I saw it.
1: And I quite liked it the second time. I really liked it I've seen it twice I actually have to watch it again but I really enjoyed that film
0: Yeah, no, I was a bit cool on it I thought it was there was a lot of um, extraneous scenes in it that I sort of felt like they went nowhere oh, and the action fight that I'm happened and-, and I really didn't like Jared Leto's character
1: Yeah, he was maybe the weak link for me but I really want to go back and read After watching this now uh, I want to go back it, I want to go back and watch Blade Runner the sequel while doing an audio commentary with you and talking about talking so about so we're going to hit too. play in three are you ready Will? 3 do
0: it right now we hit the five in the morning I was just saying eh, what? thousand thousand to length how's
1: well, like what the fuck did you get the cows? Well there Jesus what? um i was listen it's a great film this um and it's I a film that
0: everybody it. should see at least once Definitely. but you got to be in the right mood for it yeah and i don't think you should yeah.
1: go into this expecting a kick-ass action film i enjoyed watching it. and um um especially on a blu-ray on the restored blu-ray it looked gorgeous it looked absolutely gorgeous um and kind of looking at the doing the the, the background history to this and how it really has, you know. I really, I think the one thing about this is you maybe have sold me on the fact that hang on a second, this whole Deckard is a replicant is, is kind of just hui. I think it's just, I think it's hui. I've kind of you, you've convinced me, Kevin. You've convinced me.
0: It's just a, it's just my personal view on it. Is that it? The story has more oomph. There's more going on with the story um, if Deckard is is a. Human being. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's very superficial if it's just he's a replicant. The story is just filled with replicants. And that's it. Cause all that social commentary we get from the film anyway. But the added fact of him being a human being just gives it that extra sugar, I think. Yeah. This film is dedicated to the memory of Philip K. Dick and this audio commentary. It's dedicated to the memory of all you who listen to it. <laughs> who shouldn't be dead. <laughs> Your ghosts. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. And um, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week for another All the Best Bits audio commentary. What will it be? Who knows? Find out next week. That's still the way you go.
1: And here is a clip from the lads' latest mini-bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon.
0: The best bits for Will Kevin. No, the best bits for Kevin Willem. With the, films and the, with the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. <laughs> you can't <remember>. what? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits for Kevin Willem talking deviant lit. <laughs> okay right I'm gonna find the fucking thing because it's gonna be the music to start the episode I don't think I've heard this you have well maybe you haven't cause I don't think I you know. have heard this. I do I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I'll listen to that some other time fuck it, that'll <laughs> do because it's bound to be funny in his eyes so yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear
1: I actually only laugh the
0: emoji when I've actually listened to it. I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it.
1: And oh. I thought
0: they hadn't listened to it yet. And then yeah. of course I was delighted with that and people
1: hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it was it was it wasn't easy on the ears in the, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice, so there was no up and down.
0: That's the thing. Yeah, I know. S- I tried that. my best. You're a
1: bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm 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 Hovegood and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one, one producer. You. Psycho, psycho. Yeah, that's exactly. A so. Don't forget. Now you owe us three euro. Come off this stage I'm, I've, not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God.
0: I'm going to send it to you right now and you can get a genuine reaction.
1: I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, i have my WhatsApp open.
0: the latest
1: <laughs> the That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet, and it does, I do, that doesn't necessarily mean or I need to squat, be in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying you just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man. I just adult nappy it.
0: Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Yes, um, I've
1: watched a load of things.
0: So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because i think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about should i start a timer is this have we just started start the timer because i'm ready to go
1: i saw madam webb right I, honestly, to God, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went, there's a Madam Web film? And I'm, what is it? So it's a Spider-Verse adjacent Marvel movie.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter. Okay. And it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies. But I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not long ago and I thought it was just tedious. I think you know, the
1: Marvels, not Captain
0: Marvel. Is that Marvel's? Well, she's in it, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel 2. It was just sort of like it was another one of those films that felt like Ant Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and Mm -hmm. airless. And you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage and. I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films where I feel like yes there's nothing organic happening in these from the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels it's artificial acidic.
1: wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction You no know, protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh yeah. wow I just, I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry it feels like eating plastic okay
0: on the whole it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them yet I found The Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times it was off the wall bonkers and I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects whether they're good or bad you know I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it so I wasn't like revolted by the the special effects of the flash i just thought you know it's funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that so i went to the madame webb not really giving a fuck about the genre but i wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from the dakota johnson where she's she's shitting out exposition and i think people had the film's cards marked at that stage And uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played it out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow.
1: Uh, All I've seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice, I believe, and you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck.
0: Honest. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but they've almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> oh,
1: I have to listen to it. He was, I'm really curious. I'm really curious. He was curious. disgusted
0: because Kathy was pushing back and- I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Cathy here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but you That's know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason.
1: Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits.
0: And some... I liked Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly anti-social character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me and it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role and um, I enjoyed it so I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. <laughs>